As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Listening to the number one Chicago Bears podcast, unrivaled, unmatched, and unequaled. Hogan Johns covering the Bears from CHGO. It's Adam Ho, and from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Together, they're the Adams. The Adams converge. The consummate pros. The incomparable Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogan and Johns, with half of us from Radio Row in Phoenix. Johnsy, what's going on? You're wearing a hoodie in the desert. Is it cold out there? Yeah, it's like, uh, let's see, check my watch. It's 46 degrees currently. Um, that is that is the same temperature as it is in Chicago. Yeah. It, it's fat guy shorts weather here in the big city. <laughs> um, I enjoy fat guy shorts weather. See, the difference is it'll warm up to about 68, 69 degrees by by the time we get to the afternoon here in the desert. But I don't think we'll get that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, a little chilly. A little chilly here for Arizona, but it's that's kind of actually pretty normal for this time of year. Um, but a fun first day on Radio Row. We had media night last night, caught up with Matt Nagy, Robert Quinn, all kinds of Bears connections, and um, it's it's been fun so far. I think I also got about four hours of sleep last night, so we'll see how this goes. So you had a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, no, it's just work. I hope. Uh, up to like one oh, thirty. Come on. Work. It's Super Bowl week, man. It was media night, though, man. A little bit. We had to we had to go all yeah. in on the Matt Nagy interview, get it out, and um, you know we'll, we're going to talk about some of that here. We're going the media parties tonight, so tonight will be a little bit more fun, a little bit less work, um, and then we actually have a cool get together tomorrow night. In case anybody's listening that from the Phoenix area that wants to come out and uh, hang out with us at Illegal Pete's in Tempe tomorrow night at seven o'clock. So Wednesday at seven. I know we got to, it's crazy. Johns, you know, this like Arizona's like Chicago 2.0. It's just, there's so many Chicago people here all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's always that way. Well, yeah. if you're we're not so much in the spring training season yet. It even right. intensifies once March hits. Right. The Cubs and Sox out there. Yeah, my dad spends the whole month down here now in March. Good for him. I'm jealous. Uh, those of us with kids, one of us with four, that being you, 
Uh, so that's a little that's bit hard. That's a little bit harder to do. Uh, welcome in though. We're excited to be here. Adam Hogue, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue at Adam Johns, and uh, Dane Brugler is jumping on. Uh, this is really cool. We're excited about this. Bears have the number one pick. Dane's the best. Puts out the beast every year, and he's agreed to be part of the podcast. You know, at least basically once a month until we get to the draft, and uh, so we're going to be doing these breakdowns with him early in each month, so we'll probably do post-combine, too, in a few weeks, and then we get into April and closer. It's going to be great. So coming off the Senior Bowl last week, which, Johns, I covered as intently as I have in probably five or six years. Um, Remotely. Yeah, I wasn't even there, but we did shows every day. I watched all the practices. I have a million questions, pages and notes here for Dane, so really looking forward to having him on here in a little bit. Um, Before we get into that, though, Matt Nagy last night. Did you? I know you weren't there. You're kind of just going off of what we put out. But did you well, have first? It? I, I watched your video. Okay, and he, he looked good. Yeah, good for him. Well, he's coaching he Patrick like he's Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, he, he feels good. Looks refreshed. The you know it's like the like being a Bears head coach is like being a U.S. president. Like it like it ages you significantly yes. <laughs> every single year. So he looks good. Um, it's good to hear some of that old positive energy that you heard. 2018 and 2019, kind of the hallmarks of his his coaching tenure here. But, yeah, the Justin Fields conversation was definitely interesting. Yeah, you know, I didn't know uh, – I mean, this is really the first time he's he's talked at length since he got fired last year, Um, and certainly with a group of Chicago reporters. I think Pat Finley went out there in August and talked to him briefly uh, in Kansas City. But, I mean, this was really the first time he sat down and was very reflective of the last year. Uh, I didn't know what it would be like, but, you know, he's here at the Super Bowl. you got to feel pretty good about that. And I was impressed. We can get into some of the specifics, but I I was impressed, Johns, with how reflective he was, how, um, quite frankly, honest he was, accepting a lot of the blame, not really putting it on others and saying that he failed in a lot of areas. One thing that caught my eye, because I know it's something – you had a hand in reporting, um, and I don't know if he was specifically talking about the specific stuff you reported, but he he talked at length at one point about how he really felt like coming into that job, communication was one of his strengths. And he still feels that way about himself, but he does feel like at certain moments of his four years in Chicago, he failed at adequately communicating certain things to certain players. And I'm paraphrasing that. But certainly it came to mind some of the details you had on on some of that Trubisky stuff. Yeah, that's where things, I think, were, were, things really went sideways for the Matt Nagy era. That, that's a good way to put it. Just Mitch didn't become his guy. He went in thinking he'd be his guy. And as we all know, Mitch wasn't his guy. They brought in Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, and things just went sideways for a bit. And Justin Fields was brought into. To change all that, but at that point, Ryan Pace was there long enough, and Matt Nagy was probably there long enough, at least in George McCaskey's minds. But it's good to hear Matt Nagy reflect upon that. I always thought he was a good man. I think he's a good coach. I think you and I have been of a similar mindset on this that we think he could be still a good head coach. Yeah, but things just didn't pan out with with, with Trubisky, and that well, I think it took some reflection for him, required some reflection. Well, and and I'm, I'm look. I think there's I think there's two 
two things that tend to happen. Sometimes coaches get recycled too much in the NFL. And then I think there's some times where guys just don't get a, a second chance that that probably they deserve. I actually think Dan Quinn's one of those guys who was a pretty good head coach. Things went sideways. If he gets a second chance, I think he can be pretty good. I think he can learn from some of those mistakes. I, from what I heard from Matt Nagy last night, I still feel that way. I Now, my, my big lingering question, I think, is what he would do offensively. Um, and is he really... Is he willing to kind of step aside from that, let somebody else really run the offense um, and be more of that CEO-type coach? Personally, if I was rehiring him, that's what I would want to do. As you know, If I'm the GM hiring him, that's what I'd want to see. Um, but I do think the lessons learned from being a head coach, he, he showed last night. I encourage people to listen to the, to the full interview. We obviously have it on, on the CHGO uh, Sports YouTube account. We're going to be playing it more on the CHGO uh, Bear show today, but you know another example. John's Mark Carmen asked him about: Do you regret putting him in there as fast as you did that week three game against Cleveland? That obviously goes down as one of the worst Bears games of all time. Um, and it's a long answer, but one I think the quote that really stood out, John's he said: "The last thing you want is to hurt somebody's confidence. A young quarterback like we did that game." No one wants that for anybody. You know, taking responsibility for the disaster that game was. Startling admission? I mean, he basically, he basically I mean, said... You were there. How, how, what, what was the vibe? Like, what did you feel in that moment? We covered that game. That was one of the worst football games I've covered in my Bears beat here. It's a I, lot of bad football games, too. I mean, he, he essentially said Justin Fields lost confidence in that game. And it, it really came off as him taking the blame for it. I, I mean, that's how I took it. And re- remember the remember that moment in that game where Nick Foles got caught on camera saying, it's not working? Yeah. Like, so that was really the really the beginning of the end, the real beginning of the end. Um, and, yeah, so I, I, I just – I think it was cool that Nagy was able to – you know, to, to, to not only just take blame, but also be open and honest about the whole thing. He talked about how he went to South Africa with his wife after getting fired. They went there for two weeks, gave him a lot of time to reflect on things. And then it was actually I read about that in the Sun Times. Yeah. Well, that's a Pat Finley story, right? He, he loved the yeah. South Africa angle and, uh, and, and rightly so. But, but Nagy said it was the flight home. It was on the flight home that he decided he was going to accept. Andy Reid's basically standing offer to come back to the coaching staff. So, so when, when we compile that, it all starts with the McCaskies piece. It's still on the athletic. Go check it out. It's, yeah. Is it a year old now at this point? Uh, it's it's it, But it's there. It still exists in the, the interwebs, have you? Um, one of the lingering things was that, like, Matt Nagy may have just gotten the job too soon. Like, there's certain charismatic things you like about him. He can command the room, but in terms of play calling, play design, play everything, maybe he needed more seasoning. It's one of the lingering things from that. And I think sometimes you see that across the league where certain head coaches get the job too soon, get first time like play callers in certain, like in certain cities now because they're from certain systems and things don't pan out always for those coaches. So I think that's one thing I wonder if, if Matt thinks about 
Like, did he leave too soon? Did he need more time calling plays for Patrick Mahomes? Did he need more time learning from Andy Reid? Did he need another experience outside of Andy Reid? These are all important things that I think teams now bring up in their head coach searches. Yeah. Like Brian Dable's experiences were a lot longer than Matt Nagy's experiences by the time he got the job with the Giants. I, and and I got to say, I still think that's going to be a lingering question for, for anybody that perhaps looks into hiring Matt Nagy. Um, is can he learn something else besides the same offense he's been in his entire coaching career, right? I found it very interesting that he got that interview with the Titans, which is actually one of the things that didn't come up yesterday. But I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world for him to go somewhere else. Um, yeah, re- Remember, absolutely. Matt LaFleur got away from Sean McVay for a year and went to Tennessee and called plays and was you know, in a completely different type of coaching environment under Mike Vrabel, and then he goes and gets the Packers job and is able to mix in different things. I, I, I think that that would still be valuable, valuable for Matt Nagy at some point and could potentially help him um, you know, get another job. Uh, yeah, so that'll yeah. be interesting. One thing that always that's always stood out to me about the Matt Nagy era is how he sort of came by himself, too. Yeah. It's just very different than the Matt Eberflus era, where he literally brought almost the entire defensive staff with him from Indianapolis. Matt Nagy essentially came by himself. He hired Mark Helfrich. He retained Dave Ragone. Right? Harry Heestand, at the recommendation of Ted Phillips, was hired out of Notre Dame. Lasted only two years. Became the scapegoat for the bad running game that the Bears had. So... There are a lot of things at play. Um, I know we have fun. I know we joke around, but I do wish him the best. I I don't want that to come off as not genuine whatsoever. I do truly mean that. And, yeah, we have fun. You know, training camp that year was kind of a waste. I know it's our favorite one of our favorite (laughs) sound bites. But but that's true. I mean, it's okay to point out the failures. Because Justin Fields was your starter by week five, and he didn't even, like, take a snap with the starters all camp. But, you know, that's that's all in the past now. And and two quick things. We got Dane Brugler staying by, so I want to bring him in here. But but two last quick points. I mean, I I did feel that vibe coming from Nagy last night, even. I think he understands why he didn't get another year. But I... I I still felt like inside him he thinks that they would have eventually gotten some progress with Fields had he had more time. And I think there's some validity to some of the things he said last night about how quarterbacks, you really just can't throw them in there right away and expect everything to click. Um, did they help him enough? No. But I think he was also admitting that at the same time. Um, the other thing that uh, I wanted to point out just real quick on Fields is, you know, it's also obvious that he's still a believer in Fields. You know, they, and that was what was so confusing about last year at times. They truly did love the guy. They traded up to get him, you know, and and he still feels, and he, he also said that he watched Fields a lot this year and was in, he even complimented the Bears coaching staff for how they used him. Um, there's some really cool stuff in there. It's, it's almost 20 minutes long, so if people want to check it out, it's on the CHGO YouTube page. Uh, anything else from you, Johns, before we get into some of this? No, no, we're, we're all good. You know, okay. let's go from the past now to the the future. Yeah. Let's bring him in. Dane Brugler. Um, Dane, first of all, I really enjoyed the podcast you guys did 
last week um, from the Senior Bowl, the Prospects to Pros pod. A lot of great. I would encourage people to go check it out in the uh, that's in the football athletic football show feed, right? Um, great coverage yep. all last week, Dane, and and thanks again for jumping on with us. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Of course, uh, how's Phoenix over there? Little chilly. We were talking about how it's a little bit cold, um, but you know it's the Super Bowl, so we sh- we shifted from all this Senior Bowl stuff last week to now you know NFL stuff in in the current. But I'm glad we're taking. What's cold in Phoenix? Like sixty? Uh, well, John, no, it's forty eight right now, or it's forty six. Oh and, wow! And, and John's just made me feel awful because he's still in Chicago and he said it's the same temperature there. So that really did not make it me is. feel good. <laughs> Uh, it's same same thing here in Northeast Ohio, so that's uh, kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's jump into some of this. Um, first, maybe some overall thoughts on on you know who really took advantage of the week, and then maybe we could start tying in and some of, some of the Bears' needs specifically. I don't know how much of this is really going to impact number one overall pick, um, you know, because I don't think any of those type of guys were there. Um, but let's just start there. I mean, who were your big winners from last week in Mobile? Yeah, I don't think anything that happened in Mobile will affect the number one pick, but certainly uh, when you look at what this team might do on day two uh, and then on day three, uh, you know, there, there could be some movement. Um, I, I thought that the guys that we thought were going to be good were good. You know, they, and that's these all star games, it's hard to hurt yourself. Uh, you know, if you go and, you know, the guys that don't play well, well, it, they probably didn't play well on tape or, you know, the areas where, Maybe they weren't as strong. You know, we can see that at the Senior Bowl, where some of these guys, the areas where they're, you know, that that's their strength of their game, they had a chance to really flex and show that. And so, like a guy like Osiris Torrance, uh, the guard from Florida, um, you know, good chance he could be the first guard off the board as long as you know, you're, if Peter Skronsky's a tackle, um, he, he's to me cemented himself as a top forty guy, a likely first round pick. Um, I thought uh, several of these offensive linemen helped themselves. Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Uh, really good right tackle. Um, I started a little rough early in the practice on Tuesday. He he's such a violent player, such an aggressive guy that I think he was trying to show how aggressive he he could be. And uh, kind of his technique fell apart at times. But towards the end of the week, he really started to uh, control himself and, and play under control. And that, that's what you wanted to see from him. He's uh, he looks like a future starter. Could be could end up being a first round pick. Uh, so Darnell Wright out of Tennessee is a guy to uh, kind of keep on the radar. Um, and then on defense, uh, cornerback uh, Darius Rush from South Carolina had one of the, the best weeks down there. He was running routes for receivers, getting his hands on the football. Um, I, I thought he really stood out, um, as well as Sidney Brown from Illinois. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people, when they saw uh, Sidney Brown uh, invited to the Senior Bowl, they thought, oh, well, they're trying to get Chase you know, to go. You know, his twin brother, the Illinois running back. I tell you what, Sidney Brown showed he belonged. I mean, he he was outstanding from start to finish. Uh, his final practice was his best. Um, he does such an outstanding job playing through the football. So even when uh, you know he's uh, the tight end or the running back, to be able to get his uh, their hands on the football, he plays through the ball and turns those completions into incompletions. So uh, Sidney Brown, uh, whether it was in coverage, whether it was and you know during practice, they don't do full tackles, to, uh, take guys to the ground. But there were a couple of plays where you could tell he just was he wanted to explode into some of these ball carries, and he he showed restraint. And he didn't, but uh, you could tell he really wanted to. So Sidney Brown, I thought, left Mobile as a guy 
uh, mo moving up a little bit, or at least sending uh, teams back to the to the tape and saying eh, maybe we're we're giving this guy enough justice. One of the things we've talked about uh, on this podcast a bit, Dane, is how when the Bears coached the Senior Bowl a few years ago, like Cooper Cup was one of the mm -hmm. receivers there, and I've heard of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. pretty good player. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about the receivers this year? I know Jaden Reed caught your eye, but yeah. is there anybody mid rounds? The Bears need receivers. Take us through the position. Who stood out down there? Jaden Reed certainly. Um, and th that Michigan State offense this year, I thought really kind of hid him a little bit. I mean, you go back to his junior tape, uh, twenty twenty one, where you know Kenneth Walker was lighting up the Big Ten, and so. Teams really had to key in on that run game. Up uh, a, a lot of different options for that offense, and you know, it really gave Jaden Reed a chance to to make plays. And he, it's it, the thing I love or really appreciate about his game. He's not just speed. I mean, he is a legit four three guy. Uh, but aside from that, he uses tempo. He uses uh, the little subtleties in his routes so he can get defenders uh, corners off balance. Um, and, and then at the as a finisher. For a guy that's not very big, he has outstanding uh, play strength through his hands and through contact. So he can you know, uh, finish the ball off the helmets of, of corners. Uh, he can win those contested uh, situations. So even though he is a little bit on the smaller side, 5'10", uh, you know, a buck 90, he plays much bigger than he looks. Plus, he has the speed. So Jaden Reed, absolutely. I mean, a, a lot. He had a lot of third round grades earlier, uh, you know, coming out of summer into his senior year. And the scouts that stayed firm on that, they're they're looking smart now because Jaden Reed is a day two player. Uh, Stanford's Michael Wilson uh, really stood out from start to finish. He's missed more games than he's played over the last three years. And so the medicals, the injuries are obviously uh, complicating his projection. But he has size. He's 6'2", 215. But he has the athleticism of a smaller player. He can settle. He can work back to the ball. Um, another very good finisher. Toughness to the catch. So I think Michael Wilson, um, as long as the medicals are okay, if the you know your team doctor gives you thumbs up, Michael Wilson's a guy you're going to consider in that third or fourth round range. He can also play on special teams. Um, so I think the, he really stood out in a, in a really good way. Um, Nebraska's Trey Palmer, another blazer. Um, you know he, he was one of the fastest guys in Mobile, uh, six foot, 195 pounds. Uh, Houston's Nathaniel Dell, Tank Dell, smaller guy, 5'8", 163 pounds. So that size is not going to be for everybody, but he is sudden. And he he really is a nightmare for defensive backs um, in any type of space. And so uh, as long as you can be okay with the size, uh, Tank Dell is going to be a guy that uh, you know, teams look long and hard at, uh, probably somewhere in that third, fourth round range. Yeah, I really liked what I saw from Tank last week and just the ability to start and stop and – and, uh, and and pick up yards after the catch. I want to ask you about a couple offensive linemen, some Big Ten guys. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think in Chicago, there's there's definitely this anxiety about giving up that that number thirty two overall pick um, for Chase Claypool. And I feel like the one thing we see about the Senior Bowl every year is there's there's this handful of guys that kind of are falling right in that early second round. Could they push into the late first round range? And that's kind of right where the Bears gave up that pick. So maybe they'll be able to recoup it in a trade back in the first round. But, you know, Minnesota center John Michael Schmitz looked impressive mm -hmm. to me, consistent, and somebody who could be a good fit in the Bears' offense, too. And then I wanted to ask you about Dewan Jones, too, because 
what a monster coming in with that wingspan and how big he is. And he had a great first day, and then he just disappeared. And I'm wondering if you think that'll hurt him. Uh, well, so first with Dewan Jones, I, I asked a scout, um, you know, what he was told about Dewan Jones leaving like that. Um, the scout was told that it was a concussion. I, that, you know, that he, he seemed, or he wasn't totally sold. I mean, he wasn't sure, but that's what he was told. It was a concussion. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll get more details on, on that, um, you know, the next few weeks and then into the combine. But, um, and I, I don't know, I don't think that's been reported anywhere, but, uh, that, that's what I was told. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just physically, he's, he's a monster, almost 90 inch wingspan. I've, I've never heard of that. Um, you know, the, it, it's just something that, uh, really helps him. He's not, you know, it's not the most nimble mover, but you don't need to be when you're that big. And as long as you play balanced, um, I, you know, you're in good shape. I, and it was really disappointing not to see him the rest of the week because I, I was really eager to see how rushers would adjust to, uh, attacking him in those one-on-ones. I just watching in the first practice. Yeah. Dewan Jones was great. But every single rusher, it felt like just they rushed him down the middle, which you're just playing into his hands at that point. You're not going to bully him. You know, you need to really work that inside move, uh, you know, try to work the edge. Uh, and that's that's what, you know, scouts wanted to see as well. So I, I wanted to see that throughout the week. Uh, but, you know, so we just had that first practice to go off of. And, I mean, Dwan Jones, he's just a snatch you, throw you on the ground, and that's it. Uh, so he was impressive, but I, I'm still wanting to see more. I, I really thought his senior year was great uh, at Ohio State. And we have to remember, this is a young player. He's still 21 years old. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't turn 22 until August, uh, a young player for the senior senior class. Uh, but he didn't give up a sack this year, showed tremendous improvements from the junior tape. In my top 50 uh, back in November, I think he was like 36 overall. So, you know. And that was just based off his off his senior season. I've got my 100 coming out next week, and so I'm currently putting that together and figuring out where uh, Dewan Jones goes. Uh, and then with John Michael Schmitz, you know, I, coming into the year, I had a firm, uh, you know, late two, early third round grade on him. His senior year wasn't necessarily up to that level. It was kind of inconsistent. Uh, you throw in the Illinois tape, and you know, it's kind of all over the place in pass pro. Uh, but with that said, uh, you know, the, the when he plays consistently, you, you love it. He's got that play personality that you like. Always looking for work. Um, yeah, outstanding play strength. He loves to finish. Uh, I think he does a nice job. He's not the best athlete, but he's athletic enough where he can get to the second level, pick off linebackers, uh, uses his hands well to strain, finish. Uh, he's got that wrestling background. It's just sometimes he will sacrifice his balance, uh, you know, especially in as a pass protector. Uh, you know, his upper half, lower half need to stay on the same page. But he had a good week in Mobile that really reminded you of the 2021 version of John Michael Schmitz. And so um, I'm not sold that he's going to get up there in the first round, but yeah, I think somewhere in round two, early round three, that, that that's where teams are going to look at him. And I think it also helps. I don't think this is the strongest center class. Um, I, you know, I, I really like Joe Tipman, the Wisconsin uh, center that came out as an underclassman and then John Michael Schmitz. And then after that, I'm not sure how many guys are in this group that you're going to project as a starter. And so because of that, we could see uh, Schmitz and Tittman maybe pushed up a little bit uh, just because teams need centers. And if you wait, you might be uh, stuck without a chair. And so, um, uh, you know, because of that reason, we could see some of these centers go earlier than maybe their projections and grades are from teams. Let's say the Bears trade down, maybe four, seven, what have you, and they miss out on, on Will Anderson. Like, what's the second tier of pass rushers look like? I, I know a Mobile... Will McDonald was a guy 
that stood out. And he's in your top 15 of pass rushers. Like who, who can be identified for round two, round three? Yeah, and this is a an edge class uh, that's uh, you know no one's on Willie Anderson's level, obviously. Um, Tyree Wilson is a guy that I can understand why you would invest a top ten pick on him. Uh, you know, he accepted his invite to, to Mobile, but then he, he hurt his foot later in the year, so he's rehabbing that. We didn't get a chance to see him at the Senior Bowl, um, but he has a lot of ability, so, the, the size, the length, uh, the way he can rush. Um, there, there's a lot to like about Tyree Wilson. Uh, but if we're talking about you know, just strictly day two players, you know, Will McDonald, he's he's very lean, uh, especially in his lower body. And he almost has the body of a, like a small forward for a basketball team. So, you know, he's you worry about that holding up against the run. Uh, but strictly as a pass uh, pass rusher, he can get after it. He is a big time athlete for that size. Really long player. Uh, he can beat you in different ways. Uh, he's very comfortable with the spin move. He can challenge the corner. He can work back, cross the face of blockers. So uh, Will McDonald is a guy that, even though there are some questions about him being the sum of his parts, you know, because he just has so many athletic gifts, but can he really put it all together? Uh, the lack of refinement's a little concerning, considering he's a fifth-year senior. He's an older player, um, and so that, that's why we're talking about him as likely a, a day two pick, not a day one pick uh, that, and, and with the run uh, questions versus the run, but he is a big time athlete with that, but with that length. And so uh, team's going to take a chance on that all the time. Um, you know, I think Isaiah Foskey um, is not a, a lock top 50 pick uh, just because you just want to see more of a plan from him. You, you like, you like the speed that he brings, you like the energy, you like the length, but you just it doesn't matter if you don't have a plan going in. You know, if you're just attack, 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 that's fine. But there, there's only so many t things you can do. I mean, teams are going to prepare for that long arm move and take it away. And then what's your counter? What's your secondary move? Um, so Isaiah Foskey just needs more refinement uh, as a pass rusher, and that's why I think he's he's not a lock for the top fifty, and you know could go late two, early three. Uh, but he's still, you know, there's enough with his speed, with, with that the motor that he plays with. Uh, he has uh, multiple, like three block punts in his career, seven forced fumbles. So he's a guy that, you know, he makes plays. It's just to make plays at the next level still needs to put things together. So, um, you know, he he's in that mix as well. I beat you, Larry from LSU, uh, Keon White, Georgia Tech, Derek Hall, Auburn. This is a, a pass rush class that is, it's not just Will Anderson. It, it's deep into the second, third, and fourth rounds. Well, that's probably good news for the Bears. I want to ask you a similar question, but about their need at their three-technique position because we've heard so much from Matt Eberflus about how important, I think he's called it, the engine that makes the whole defense go. And maybe they'll address that in free agency. I have a, you know, a, an inkling they will. But if they don't go the Jalen Carter route, who are the guys later on that can maybe fit there? I, it seemed like Keanu Benton from Wisconsin had a great week. I had a Tamoa Adabore from Northwestern. But I don't know. You, you know better than me about how those guys would, would fit that specific role in the Bears' defense and, and where exactly they would fit on the defensive line. Yeah, I'm really interested to see where Kalijah Kansi, the pit defensive tackle, ends up going. Uh, he is really undersized and – would fit in that defense uh you know I, I, there's some question marks but he's so quick with his hands quick off the ball that i i think you're willing to overlook the size um if he makes it that far uh on day two um after that you know i i think 
you know, Keanu Benton, he, he's a little bit bigger than you want for a three technique, but he has the body control. He has the quickness. I think that he's interchangeable. So, you know, even though, uh, you know, he's uh, he played nose in college for Wisconsin in that three-man front, you could see him playing over the B gap and having success. You could see him, uh, you know, moving around a little bit. I think he could play the piano up and down the defensive line. Uh, he has that type of ability because he's powerful. He has pass rush potential. Um, so I, I definitely think Keanu Benton's a guy to keep on the radar in round two. Um, Adebore, uh, you know, he's he's another guy that just uh, he's got a little bit of a, a funky body where he's you know six one, uh, not the heaviest guy, but he's stout. And he uses that 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 natural leverage to his advantage, so he can get underneath blockers, explode off the ball, and really uh, you know attack them with a bull move, but then show his quickness as well. So, and he's got longer arms, uh, almost thirty four inch arms for a guy that is is shorter, which which you don't usually see, and that that'll help him. I think uh, you know give, at least give him a chance to go on day two. I don't think he's a lock day two pick, but definitely has a chance to go top one hundred. Um, and the, the other guy who wasn't at the senior bowl, but someone to keep on the radar, uh, Tuli Tua Pelotu from USC, who was more of an edge rusher in that, uh, in that scheme, but uh, he's got a body that's more of a three technique, 290 pounds, uh, six, three and a half. Uh, when he gets rolling downhill, he's hard to stop once he gets his hands moving. So, um, I, I you know, I, being more of an edge rusher, uh, in college, we didn't get a chance to see him a ton on the interior, but I think that's where he projects best. And I think as a day two player, he could end up being a steal. I know the best quarterbacks weren't there, but when you're out and about drinking beers in Beats or Battle House, have you? <laughs> What's the the buzz? Do you think there could be some movement for the Bears at number one? Most feel like that's that, that's going to happen. Um, is there? They will be some type of trade. Uh, I, I think obviously, if you're the Bears, you're hoping for the Texans at two or the Colts at four uh, to move up. That way, you know you're still in striking distance of either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. Um, you know, like we've talked about before. I think there's it, it's those two guys in terms of the top non quarterbacks in this draft, and then the next tier there, there's a gap, and so. Staying within striking distance of Anderson and Carter, I think, is really important. Um, and, and that could affect what kind of trade packages. You know, it, there's a good chance the Raiders or the Panthers are giving you a lot more, but the chance to stay within the top four picks could lead you to go with the Texans or the Colts. Uh, now, the order of how these quarterbacks come off the board, that's that, that, that's that's a tough one. I think everyone's got a different opinion on it. Um, you know, it's some teams, I've heard some teams say we're just, you know, we're out on on Bryce Young uh, just because of the size, and that's that's not surprising. I mean, what, you know, how many quarterbacks have we seen his size? Uh, and and it's not just being able, you know, all seeing over the line. No, it's 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 the slightness of his body. It's it's the fact that he is more than welcome, uh, or more than welcoming to the pass rush because he knows uh, by buying that extra half second, he's given that route a chance to get open, and so. Those hits that he's taking, even in the SEC, they're coming a little bit quicker in the NFL. So, uh, you know, is his body going to be able to hold up? That, that's a big question. And so some teams aren't willing to roll that dice. Um, now, some teams will be. And could it be the Texans? Sure. You know, D'Amico Ryans, former Alabama guy, uh, you know, certainly has ties. I mean, we can connect all the dots we want. Fact is, we've never – this is a complete outlier. So even though we can look at the breadcrumbs – uh, some teams just won't be comfortable with that size. And the teams are split on C.J. Shroud, Will Levis, even throwing Anthony Richardson in there. Anthony Richardson has the most upside of any quarterback in this draft. It's just going to take him uh, – he's still a young player, Richard, sophomore coming out. It's going to take him the longest 
to actually get there. So are you willing to, uh, you know, it, it, play through the bumps that are going to happen? Because I think this is a guy that's going to get better by on-field reps, not necessarily just sitting and looking at a playbook, looking at film. You want him on the field to get better. And that's why I was a little surprised he came out and didn't go back to show those improvements. I, I think he thought he did all he could do at, at Florida and the coaching staff kind of tapped him out in terms of getting him better. So we'll, we'll see how this, I think the interviews at the combine are going to be very important for all these guys, just figuring out what do they know? What don't they know? Coverages, reading defenses, uh, protections, all that type of thing. So these quarterbacks, we're still figuring out how teams feel about them. How, what's the order going to be? I think after the combine, that'll give us a much better feel. Dana, I apologize if we've asked you this before. I know we talked to Nate Tice about it, um, but mm -hmm. you know, ESPN started every one of those Senior Bowl broadcasts last week with Mike Tannenbaum talking about the idea of the Bears trading fields instead of the first pick. Um, and you know, I, I get the I get the storyline, but I think those of us that cover the Bears would be absolutely shocked to see that happen. Where maybe it's too early in the process. But where would you slot Justin Fields in this quarterback class if he was coming out? Man, that's tough. I mean, I I liked Fields coming out. I mean, he's a top ten player on my board. Uh, you know, he, I did have a, a, a couple other quarterbacks ahead of him, and the biggest reason why is I thought you know he just needed to be more decisive. Uh, you know, he, he's just a two. Uh, you know, just need to see things quicker, and I think we've started to see that. I mean, every single game. Uh, it, it, we saw three or four plays with his arm that said, okay, he's showing progress. He is getting better. And that gives you a lot of optimism moving forward. Still needs to get better as a passer though. Um, you know, just that consistently. Um, I, it, it's, it's really hard to, to slot a, a guy we've seen for two years in the NFL with a couple of guys that have never taken a snap in the NFL. I think if you're the bears, it is, it is Ryan Pohl's responsibility uh, to at least examine that possibility. And say, okay, say we did go down this road. What would we get for Fields? And do we love one of these quarterbacks enough and say, okay, five years from now, are we in a better, or even three years from now, are we in a better situation with, say, Bryce Young or whoever that is than we would be with Justin Fields three years from now? You have to at least ask those questions and examine it. So, and if it's a pretty, and look, we don't, there's a lot of things we don't know in terms of, it, you know exactly how polls feels about uh, fields. We, we, we believe that he is more than happy uh, moving forward with him as the quarterback, but it's at least up to that front office to uh, examine the possibility and, and look at every option. And I think there's a good chance after they do that, they will come away thinking, okay, fields is our guy. Let's see what now next step and see what, you know, trade offers we can get and move forward. But it's at least uh, something that needs to be discussed in the building, even if it is only a five minute conversation. Last one for you, Dane. I wanted to follow up on something you said about like Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, and then there's like a drop. Like, so, yeah. like, if you're Ryan Poles and you're talking about like investing in like premium positions, he's emphasized that a few times. Like, how far is that gap? Like, how big is that gap between those best defensive players and maybe some of the best offensive tackles in overall grade? Well, so, uh, there's a good chance Peter Skaronsky ends up as my. If it's you know Anderson and Carter, whichever order one two, uh, there's a good chance Peter Skaronsky is my number like the top of that next tier uh, of the non quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, you know I think he's just as uh, as it, there's no such thing as can't miss, but he is he everything that he does projects very well at the next level, and I think he could play tackle. I hope he gets the chance, 
But with 32 and a quarter inch arms, I think you're maximizing him as a player inside a guard. So are you going to take a guard that early? Uh, you know, a lot of teams aren't willing to do that, even if he does have a Zach Martin like uh, trajectory, possibly. Um, I, I really like Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of uh, uh, Oregon. I, to me, he's in that next tier uh, as one of the, the top defensive players in this class. Um, then you, then we start talking about Bijan Robinson, uh, the running back from Texas, who absolutely belongs in that conversation, uh, as one of the top 10 talents in this draft. But you know, are you taking a running back that early? Probably not. A lot of teams, it, that's the hardest part when you're doing a mock draft and try to figure out where to put Bijan Robinson. It, it ends up, he's in the twenties or even, uh, in the thirties, because it's hard to find that exact landing spot, even though, uh, most believe he is one of the top 10 talents in this class. So uh, it, it's, it gets really clouded after those first two. Um, I, I do think Paris uh, Paris Johnson, the Ohio State left tackle, you can make an argument for him up there. Broderick Jones from Georgia, same thing. Uh, Broderick Jones is tackle number one for, for some teams that I've talked to. Uh, he's a really athletic player, and he's, he's, his trajectory's up. He's an ascending player. Uh, you're getting him at a good time. Uh, Paris Johnson, same type of thing. So uh, there's a good chance we see those two tackles uh, go early uh, and, and three tackles if you consider Skaronsky on the outside. Dane, one last quick one. I know I know we got to let you go, but I'm just curious, your time in Mobile last week, did you get any feedback on, all, on how Luke Getze ran practices, positive, negative, just any feedback like that, or even, you know, anything you've heard about Ryan Poles as a GM after one year? Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, teams are really interested to see how he how he handles this. I mean, he's got a lot of power this offseason. And so what's the plan? I mean, he the coming from where he came from, learning the way he did, uh, you know, under different general managers in Kansas City, under, uh, you know, a lot of smart people uh, in Kansas City. Uh, what is, you know, his vision? Because I, I think you could pull different things from Veach and Ballard and Dorsey. And, you know, and so what does Paul's vision look like? And so I think that's that's it's more just intrigue from a lot of people in terms of what that's going to look like. Um, and, and I think you know, there are good I think good reviews from Getsy. I, I think that um, I, I was really impressed with the way he seemed to allow the other coaches uh, do their thing. I mean, he had control, but it seemed like he was letting their coaches, you know, uh, with uh, certain position groups handle their business and take care of these guys. And he was more overseeing everything instead of being too hands on. And so that was good to see. I thought it was a really well-run practice. Awesome. Dane, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, awesome uh, getting a chance to do this again as we lead up to the draft. And I uh, hope everybody's following you on Twitter, as they should, at DP Brugler. The podcasts are great on the Athletic Football Show. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you in a few weeks at the Combine. All right, man. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Dane Brugler, awesome stuff as always. As we've kind of moved, John's this is how it goes, right? Draft season, we've we've moved from I think the last time we talked to him it was all about the number one pick and what might happen, and you know now we're now we're deeper in round two, round three with some of these guys we saw last week, and and how Ryan Poles can really fill out the entire draft class. A uh, lot of good, lot of good options in my opinion. In fact, for people saying that this is a weak wide receiver class, I saw. I thought I saw, granted I was just watching on TV, but I, I thought I saw a number of intriguing wide receivers that could be options in round two, round three, round four, and some of those guys we just talked to Dane about. I like what, what Dane said about pass rushers. It's the, a good year for pass rushers. Yeah. It's passers and then pass rushers, and the Bears had the worst pass rushing defense in the league. The Eagles, the team you're going to see there in, in Arizona today, you know, hanging out with Robert Quinn yeah. and what have you down there in Arizona, my friend. They had 70 sacks this year. You know how many the Bears had? 20. That's so 20. crazy. That's so it's crazy. more than triple. And and if you even pair that down, how many of those 20 were actually from defensive linemen? Because yeah. Jaquan Brisker, Roquan Smith, who wasn't even on the team for half of the year, accounted Not for even a lot on the of team. that. Jack Sanborn. I think he had one and a half. It's <sighs> it's a problem. The Bears have a, a lot of needs. Um like, I like what he said about the offensive tackles, too, because I think the Bears are looking for athletes because of the, the the zone scheme they run and the type of, you know, mindset and attitude they want with their run game. But, yeah, we'll see. A lot to get through. It's only February. Super Bowl is yet to be played. But if you're the Bears or Bears fans, I should say, who have been looking at the draft for a long time now, you could see some some hope, maybe some hope. What Dane is saying about pass rushers and cornerbacks and offensive tackles right now. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation. Always love talking to Dane. Um, before we get out of here, Johns, just want to touch on a couple other things from things that have been going down here so far. It's still early in the week, but um, number one, it was good to have media night back last night. I mean, this is the Super Bowl last year was relatively back close to normal, but wasn't quite all the way there. I don't know if you remember this, but like the team still didn't fly here until Wednesday or Thursday. Um, so this is really the first year post-COVID where things are back to normal with the weekly schedule and um, you know having that big event last night. Um, you brought up Robert Quinn. That was an interesting conversation. Um, he still made it very clear he did not like being traded. <laughs> and um, it, you know, it's 
it's funny because here he is. He's played in the NFL for as long as he has. He never had never won a playoff game until just a couple weeks ago. And you think he's like, yeah, you know, it all worked out. Made it to the Super Bowl. Might be able to get a ring here before I, uh, you know, end my career. And it was still like, yeah, no, I didn't really want to be traded. Um, so it just, you know, he's come yeah. to terms terms with it, and I think getting here to the Super Bowl certainly helps. But I just thought that was really interesting. And from talking to to players like who have been traded in the past, this goes from like hockey too, all the way to the NFL. At least in my career, it's a weird feeling to be traded. Yeah, it is. Like when when you talk to these players, you're no longer wanted by your current team, and that's like a a unique set of emotions to get through. Like we're trading you for something, something that doesn't even exist right now. We're trading you for a pick for a player. Yeah, essentially to be named later. Yeah, basically. best of luck, yeah. farewell. But I do want to give the Bears credit for this. Like they did, Robert Quinn a solid on this, just like they did with with Cleo Mack, sending their their older veteran players, respected leaders, to winning teams or teams that were capable of going far in the playoffs or at least viewed that way. And the Eagles are one of the best teams on both sides of the ball in the NFL. So if you're going to root for anything, Chicago, maybe Robert Quinn's the answer. You know, and I and I have a feeling that the relationship between Ian Cunningham and Howie Roseman had something to do with, you know, finding that fit that was good, even though he didn't really want to be traded. But obviously you got to do what's best for your organization. Um, I managed to get in a couple questions to Howie last night about Ian Cunningham. And uh, it was pretty interesting. I mean, right away, Howie had kind of had a smile on his face and was like, yeah, really did not want to lose that guy. Um, but I th- he said, I think Chicago's renting him. Um, and I said, I think, <laughs> I, I, and I said, I think Ryan Poles thinks that too. I mean, he's pretty much said as much. So, you know, obviously Ian Cunningham, the Bears assistant general manager, is on the rise. Uh, I could see this time next year him being one of the 32 general managers in the league. And uh, I think it was fortunate that the Bears – were um, able to hang on to him for this very, very important offseason with all the decisions that need to be made and the talent that needs to be uh, acquired. Um, it's kind of a mess. You know, we have our one of our outlets is down here in Phoenix, John's with All City, the PHNX, and they're still covering a coaching search. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of a mess down here with the Cardinals, and... I think Ian Cunningham would have been a great hire for them, and based on reports, he turned that down. So I think the Bears kind of dodged a bullet there for at least one year. He, he, he said no. There were some questions from some readers as to why. Like, why did Ian Cunningham get interviews? The Bears are so bad. It's, but it's more than that. It's his reputation. Yeah. It's his role in the assembly of the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Again, like you said, with Howie Roseman. Well, that should count more. Offensive. Yeah, that should count more than what happened with the yes, Bears this year. One of the best yeah. offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in the game. The Bears need a new offensive line. I think Ian Cunningham's experience will play well here, especially with Ryan Poles' experience as an offensive lineman himself and the role he played in the assembly of the Chiefs' offensive line, the other team. Yeah. In this Super Bowl. Full circle. That's how we do it here on Hogan Jacks. Yeah, I just, I, I feel if there's, it, it, good job by you. Um, if there's, if there's one thing I feel optimistic about with the Bears operation, it is the front office that, that Ryan Poles built relatively quickly. And and look, we're still all, it's still early, right? We, we still don't really know 
how this is all going to play out or if Ryan Poles is going to be a great GM. But to see him bring in a guy in Ian Cunningham from a different organization just because they had a relationship. for a te- And look at it. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl. These are the two teams that these guys came from. So they're, they're, they're backed by winning organizations, and it's not just one. It's two of them, and they do different things. Um, I think that that's, I think that bodes well. And for as much as you are always guessing and projecting, even if you're the organization hiring these guys, it seems like a pretty sound plan here that the Bears are going down. Invest in the trenches. Yeah, well, that's not what they need to do. That's what they need to do, and we'll see if that happens. Uh, final thing I have, uh, unless you have anything more, Johns, but you knew the special teams coordinator couldn't get out of media night with at least catching up with Dave Tobe for a little bit. Um, <laughs> How's he doing? Talked a little scheme, got a couple notes in there. You know, I had to do it, um, but he's doing well. And, you know, he's the assistant head coach now under Andy Reid. Yeah. He has that title, and um, – this is his third Super Bowl now with the Chiefs. He's got the ring, um, but a little bit of Devin cl- Hester's up for the Hall of Fame. Yes. So he said that he, guy. He said the first time he actually thought about Devin Hester realistically being a Hall of Famer was actually the last year he was uh, that Tobe was still in Chicago with Hester. Obviously, Hester kept playing after that, but um, you know he kind of realized that this at that point was was something that was well, well-deserved. When Hester didn't get in last year, he obviously called him, talked to him, and said, yo, it's only a matter of time. And I will say, it the consensus so far this week on Hester, it seems a little bit more optimistic than I sensed last year about him getting in this week. Um, it's, it seems like that's a real possibility. I actually still thought he was going to get in last year, but you know, there was it was a little bit more... You start talking to people on Radio Row and different people have different opinions than we just do in Chicago, and you kind of realize that. Uh, but there does, seem, there does seem to be a little bit more optimism this year. The greatest returner in NFL history should have a place somewhere. Agreed. Agreed. Like, end of argument. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, to me, it really is that simple. Um, and then a little bit of closure on the uh, what I think is the greatest return that never counted. Um, the old Devin Hester, Johnny Knox, Deke punt return against the Packers that got called back. Uh, Dave Tobe said that he, he, he knows that referee that threw the flag. He would later see him a lot, and that referee admitted that he should not have thrown the flag. Oh. So, what do, are you doing? Do, doesn't make it count, but, uh, but everybody, and I tweeted it last night, both the Dave Tobe's comments and the video. I went back and found the video, um, which low-key is one of the greatest punt catches ever. Johnny Knox like Willie Mays that over his shoulder. <laughs> I don't know if people realize that, um, but obviously got called back, didn't count, but the referee letter said it should. So at least um, a little bit of closure on that play. But y- you know what, Johns? That never happens. Call it that if you want. <laughs> well, that, that that never happens though. Weird penalties against the Bears when they're playing the Packers and and Aaron Rodgers. That never happens. <laughs> it's really weird. Uh, everybody watching, listening. I don't know what he's doing right now. But- it's what? Throwing fuel in fire. You're right, though. You're, you're right. Well, it just is a thing. It's the off season, you it's, know. Yeah, you know, it always comes back to the to two up to the officials. Pebble Beach Pro Am champion Aaron Rodgers. No, good for him. Well, that's a that's a podcast conversation for another day. Not the golf, yeah. but first championship. Where he first championship he's won in a while, I believe. You know, where like a he decade. ends up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's better. <laughs> 
we got to have fun with it. Uh, any final thoughts there, Adam Johns? No, we'll talk to you later this week. Okay. Enjoy the uh, the party. Where's the party at this year? It's some like uh, um, like ranch or mountain thing. I, I'm not really nice. sure. It, like it was, out, like so, out there in the desert. Yeah, you don't have to go too far south though to to kind of get in the deserty no. area. Um, and I think so. Yeah, they're bussing us to some. I, look, I gotta say that the Super Bowl host committee always does a good job with these media parties. Whether it was at the Mall of America or um, the one in Miami a few years ago was like on this gorgeous pier overlooking you know, the skyline in Miami. So they always do a good job. It so should I, be fun. I covered the last Super Bowl there. I think it was the last Super Bowl there. Okay. But there was the CBS concert put on at the, uh, where, the where the Suns play. Okay. It was Florida Georgia Line, Dirks Bentley, and Eric Church. It was a fantastic show. It wasn't the media party. It was like a Thursday. It was the Damn. Thursday night before the game. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Joniak. Told me to wear a jacket. I'm like, why do I got to wear a jacket to a country concert? But I took that thing off. <laughs> I didn't even pack any jackets. I'm rolling. I'm rolling with the with the hoodie. So good. You know, we're... nah. For the no, you're not staying for the Super Bowl. Never mind. No, no. Oh, I would have. I probably would have gone full suit for the Super Bowl. But uh, I'm not staying. I'll be back Friday. Uh, again, if anybody listening to this happens to be in the Phoenix area and wants to come for a meetup tomorrow night, um, the entire CHGO crew. Entire all city crew. We're going to be out at uh, Illegal Pete's in Tempe, um, and you can, it's all on Twitter. You find us, and uh, it's going to be a good event. Seven o'clock Mountain Time in Phoenix. Um, otherwise, we got coverage all week long on CHGO. Got another live show today at noon Central Time, and of course the Athletic. I mean, I'm sitting here on the Athletic set. Kent's here in person. I always love seeing Kent in person when we're here at the Super Bowl. Doing a phenomenal job all day long. He's got his birds with friends hoodie on, which is pretty dope. Um, so it's it, make sure you're following all the athletic work as well. Um, it's it's always a fun week. Miss you, Johns. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm due for a Super Bowl. Yeah, you gotta you gotta make four, this four years. Make this. It's in Vegas next year. I don't know if that influences. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. Should be a, should be a good one. Uh, all right, well, we're out of here. Make sure you're following all that uh, all week long. Plenty of coverage coming your way. Uh, we're actually going to have Eric Kramer on the CHGO show today, and his story is incredible. Actually, the six, he ranks sixth in Bears history in, in passing yards. Closest to ever come to 400 passing yards in a season, which is insane. 4,000. 4, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, 4,000. Um, that would be even but there's that many 400-yard passers. No. <laughs> either no, in either game. game. Yeah, and Jim Miller did it <laughs> once or twice. But um, all right, we're out of here. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Follow all of the work on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, where you go to subscribe, allchgo.com for me. Uh, we are out of here, obviousshirts.com for all the merch as well. Talk to you later in the week. See ya. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Um, 